Welcome, one and all, to Anarchy in Space. 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 That, that almost had like a smooth jazz type of feel to it. <laughs> Space. I'm here with my sax, doing this up cowboy bebop style. Uh, except for I'm not John Cho. <laughs> Do I need to be snapping in the background at the beat? Can't wait for that to happen. All right, so we are here on episode 24 of Anarchy in Space. I am Nikki P here as always. With my ever faithful co-host Eric the Red, yes. Also here with our our guest today, since you watch the show with me every week, anyways, my podcast host partner for Peace Freaks and my lovely wife Lizzie. How are we doing there, lady? Hey, <laughs> excited to be here. She's one of those Trekkie people, so yeah, there's that. So she kind of hates this show. I don't hate it actually. I thought I was going to hate it, but I actually really like the show. Boom. Got another convert right there. Yep. You hooked me. She's ditching the Vulcan ears as we speak. <laughs> no, but we do have the we do have the outfit. Why don't we why didn't I make you wear the outfit today? It would have been fun. That would have been fun. Yeah. Put on put on your over outfit. Yep. So anyways, uh we have the first episode of season three we're gonna be talking about today. Yep. And oh man, the treachery. Yes, just a little bit. The treachery builds. <laughs> that is the moral of this episode. When just when you thought there might be something human in Aaron Wright, nope, <laughs> just not gonna do it. <laughs> he he can't. He can't be a human. So it, it, within this episode, he manages to try and frame Avasarala for everything that he's done. Right. While he has missiles shooting at her sh- at the ship that she's on, so she can die and never defend herself. Yep. Convenient. After conveniently declaring war between Earth, the UN, and Mars. Yes. So it makes you wonder, was Naomi's plan at the end of uh, season two really all that bad if this is where the fuck we're going to be? Yeah, really. Kind of. I'd rather have that gun if I were in the belt. That's true. We've now got missiles to defend themselves, and Aaron Wright's going to be a dickhead to everybody. So, <laughs> I mean, he he makes such a good villain in the show because he's just... He just seems so slimy. Yes. Yeah. And like he, but he, but he also, he's charming in a way. Like he seems like a fucking politician where they manage to do what they do because, like it or not, they're charming people. As much as people say how terrible like President Trump is, everyone I've ever heard has also said he's one of the most charming people in the world if you're in the room with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Like everyone just fucking loves him. So I think that they did a really good job at just creating a realistic politician. And, and and kind of like in the same same way you have with Abbasarala, like she kind of plays the other side of things where she's like the true believer. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't want to play politics, but she has to play politics. And she's kind of a bitch. Right. Like she doesn't have that charming quality, but she's all, but it's because she's trying to do the honest thing. Kind of wish those pol- kind of politicians were real, not just in science fiction stories. <laughs> right. So <laughs> since you have managed to watch this more recently than we have, do you mind leading us through it this week? Yeah, so we <clears throat> kind of opened up with the uh, a little bit of a recap from what happened at the uh, season finale of season two. Uh, we show the Earth uh, lander there on uh, Venus still in an exploded view, and it kind of zooms out from that, and we hear 
you know, TV communications from Earth talking about Mars attacking, and uh, then it swoops over to Mars, and it talks about the UN attacking, and, you know, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. You just mentioned one of my favorite sci-fi movies, by the way. Oh, Mars Attacks. Oh, Mars Attacks. (laughs) It's a great movie. Jack Nicholson. Sorry for the derailment there. I just love that movie. (laughs) That's okay. Sidebars aside. Tom Jones. That's what really matters about that movie. Yes, exactly. Uh, Joe Don Baker punching out one of the one of the Martians. Yeah, so great. Uh, Jack Black in the magazine falling out of the M1. You mean baby Jack Black? Baby, yes. <laughs> He's so young in that movie. He was like nineteen or something like that in that movie. So it was a uh, kind of an intense opening, and then it kind of swoops into a battle that's taking place uh, between the UN and Mars. You know, got machine gun fire going back and forth and everything, and uh, then we kind of. Cut over to find out what happened with all the Sarala and crew, hmm. trying to figure out how they're going to get off of the uh, off of the yacht. And so ultimately, they end up uh, they end up enlisting the help of somebody. Yeah, the uh, the nerdy electrician that they uh, shoved into a locker <laughs> after punching in the face. Yeah, he's so miffed when she comes back. He's like, "I thought I, I thought you were going to leave me alone." It's like we had a deal. <laughs> you, yeah, <laughs> tough titties. I need your help again. <laughs> right. Cotillard does not look good. No. No, he's gut shot all to hell, and it's not going to be a good day for him. Doesn't, like, Avasara, like, stick stick something into the wound to try and wake him up? She does. Like, she just, yeah, or at least leans on it. It's, oof. Yeah, jab it with her thumb or something. Yeah, it's pretty rough. (laughs) He's looking like, I don't don't honestly remember, because it's been a minute since I've watched the season. I don't remember if he makes it out of this or not. Mm. I really hope he does, because I like Cotillard as a character. Yeah, he's a fun guy. But... I think I, I kind of feel like this is going to be setting up changing hands. I feel like right, just the way that they're doing it, they're going to be moving more of the responsibilities and kind of protecting Avasarala over to Bobby. Right. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Like it's almost like the, these this this pat end of the season was to kind of groom her for that position, which is funny because in both cases you get the you have Avasarala with like a protector that kind of doesn't want the job and just kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Like, by coincidence and happenstance, falls into it. Yeah. And then here's Bobby Draper with the with the power armor. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. I, I do think that they do a very good job of making her believable. I, I still stand by that. Like, it, it, it's too easy for them to kind of try and force the, oh, hardcore woman's out here kicking ass. <laughs> but, I mean, the fact of the matter is, power armor does kind of neg- make it... Neg- it's definitely an equalizer. Yeah. yeah, like I don't even matter, woman. I mean, you've got servos in there that are doing the work. So as long as you know what you're doing, you're good. Exactly. What, what else we got happening on here? Uh, so then we got Aaron Wright at the UN uh, trying to push the uh, Secretary General to uh, actually declare a war. Yeah. To get the uh, council together to formally declare a war, uh, and that's uh, so refreshing because uh, we don't get those <laughs> anymore. And uh, I was like, oh, oh, they're gonna go through the process. Look at them. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one that noticed that and had a moment of like, oh my gosh, he's actually doing the the, the procedure at least. He sucks, but at least he's doing it. Yeah, he's definitely being led around by the nose by Aaron Wright on this one, but... Uh, he kind of gets led around the nose. Even in the books, like he kind of, kind of a pussy. <laughs> he's very Trumping in that like what he believes is whatever the last person he talked to believes kind of thing. Yes. Like, I don't feel like he has a whole lot of spine to him. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, this guy's an expert. I'll just go with him. God, I wish I hate people listening to the quote-unquote experts. Mm. Really? Yeah, nothing good in that. Ultimately, 
it's created the backdrop for what we're going to be dealing with for a while now, and that's the fact that you have two superpowers at war, and yep. it almost feels like so much a so much of Earth history is two superpowers at war, trying to at least keep the illusion of that. Yeah, you know, for a long time it was America and Russia. I think they're trying to make America and China the big thing now. But I guess it's the callousness, like he, with which he wants, because it's to him, it's just a trophy. It's just something that he can like put on his belt if he, when he wins, hmm. and he believes he's gonna win. He, he, he everything he says is just trying to convince people strike first, so that we can decimate them before they come after. Him. I mean, what, what does that sound? Like? What is isn't isn't that the old? Yeah, we're gonna fight him over there, so that we don't fight him over here. Yeah, we've yeah. heard that all before. And even in his little speech is like, uh, yeah, Mars has bloviated about being this paradise. They they haven't created it for their people. Yes, they have better ships, but we have so many more. Because I'm just going to send wave after wave of wave <laughs> right. of ships after. Yes, them. just keep killing our boys. Right. I mean, it's ultimately that's the China the China philosophy. Like we, the, we're theoretically we're supposed to be a better equipped army than China. Yeah, they just, they just have numbers. But China has unlimited people that they don't care about killing. Right. Life is cheap. And it's just bullshit. Like that's the way people think. But honestly, people in those positions, that is what they think. Yep. Because it's more the concept of whatever fucking nation or place that you have that you stand for more than the lives of the people that you know exist within that place. Yeah, and Russia had done that as well during World War II against the Germans. Hmm. It's like not everybody got a rifle. <laughs> just charge after them. If you decide you're going to retreat, we're going to shoot you too. So, so. Well, you have Aaron Wright going out and being big dick douchebag on his side of things. Yes. We also have Holden kind of coming out of his Captain Ahab phase. Right. Yeah. And now re- remembering that he's the good guy. Yeah, they had a pretty interesting way of dealing with proto-molecules still sticking to their ship. Was go out there with like those industrial torches. Yeah. Just burning it off. And they got all of it, right? Wink, wink. Wink, wink. Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You have that little moment of the, the reveal. You feel like there should be a dun-dun-dun. Yeah, then uh, he goes quickly back into the Captain Ahab because he's like, look, here's a signal from IO. That's another protomolecule scream. So we got to go here next. Well, but he also, he tempers that by saying that he believes that's where uh, the, the good doctor is with Prax's daughter. Oh, and, yeah. And he, and he apologizes for, yeah, basically, he, he says, well, what we did, we used you so we could do our mission, and I, we might as we we owe it to you to try and help you now because you you lived up on your end of the bargain, and we we he, he just like I said that's why he feels he feels remorse for kind of being Captain Ahab for a minute. Now that he's kind of remembered who he is, that he's a good guy, he he wants to go and do the right thing. Holden is is flawed in that he's he's a human being and like he wants things, and but he also has his emotions. And he can get tied up in them. And I mean, I think, I don't recall this because I was just a little too young to really know, but I'm, I'm assuming that there are probably a lot of even libertarians back in the uh, 9-11 phase that got pretty fucking hoorah about hmm. foreign intervention just because they had that emotional reaction. And it took a while for some of them to kind of clear their heads. Yeah, at that time I was uh, kind of dabbling with uh, the Constitution Party at the time. So, yeah, I can... And some of those are libertarian-ish people, but uh, yeah, it was all, you know, well, let's so, just go send special forces after everybody. Hmm. So, I mean, I was, I was an anti-war leftist at the time. So. Yes. <laughs> so essentially, they're kind of setting on their mission to go and find 
uh, Prax's daughter, hopefully. Yep. And there is always this side B that whatever doctor and whatever he's doing over there is probably there also, and they can find the information that they need. We get pulled back to uh, the Tycho, Tycho Station with uh, Fred Johnson. Yeah, Fred Johnson's contacting Anderson Dawes. Oh, yeah. And he has a very, very unhappy, sexy lady angry at him in this, uh, this scene. Yes, his uh, security chief. It was one of my favorite uh, scenes to because you get a little bit of the drummer, you get the feeling is like a perpetual number two, but is always superior to the person that she's in the room with. Like if she wanted to be the leader, she could be. Right. She knows enough about Fred Johnson's job that she could probably take it over, no problem. The, I, but I think I think with her character is that where where like a Holden will give in to his emotions and allow them to lead him. She she knows there's no fighting hers, right? And will keep herself out of the position of allow like where that could be a problem. Yeah, like let let someone with a cooler head like Fred Dawes or Fred Johnson, <laughs> you know, Lee. At the end, you know, that'll all go where it goes. And it's crazy because. Well, while they talk about how much of a badass uh, Bobby is, for me, fucking drummer's the real badass. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> fuck with her at all. Oh, yeah. We even saw that when she got taken hostage. And Yeah. <laughs> she'll, she'll just take the bullet. She don't give a shit. <laughs> right. And, and by the way, that's not the only time that she's going to be like what would normally be a catastrophic industry in this series. Like, <laughs> it's almost a theme. Like, let's see how much we can beat up on drummer. <laughs> how about you quiet lady over there uh yeah no it was uh it was definitely interesting i didn't i'd kind of forgotten about that character until you know we were we were dealing with her and i'm like oh yeah she's still dang yeah she's still there <laughs> <laughs> so little eskimo girl yeah fucking canadians yep what are you gonna do so now she's pissed because you know she lets out that she she left dawes to side with fred johnson because she thought that there was more hope for peace with Fred Johnson as opposed to Dawes, who's going to perpetuate whatever he needs to perpetuate to keep power. Yeah. Fred Johnson, for all his flaws, isn't someone who's interested in power other than to kind of maintain peace. Yeah. He kind of wants to unite all of the different uh, Belter clans or whatever they're called. But now he's got the protomile keel, so... Yep. He's on the wrong side again. She's pissed. Well, and so here's the insight. Why this show is, rings so true to me is because, so I, the belt obviously is a stand-in for anarchism as a political philosophy. Yeah. And the thing that you keep coming across is you have people that all have very different ideas on how that works. Yeah. You know, you've got the me and Eric types who are, you know, more agorist, market anarchist kind of guys. But you also have, you know, the, the communist anarchists that approach things very differently than we would. And if we could all ever just join forces long enough to take down the oppressive, you know, for regimes that we want to see gone, we could probably do a lot in the world. The problem is, is that the infighting and the inability to do that because of some serious core philosophical differences in us and the fear that I think any one of us would gain too much power in the vacuum. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 it's it's a really good stand-in in the series, I think, because it it, it it illustrates well how that works. Yeah. So the proto-molecules changed the dynamic there. Uh, it also, it seemed like it changed the dynamic with Naomi. Did it Did it not? Like. Oh, yeah. Everybody hates Naomi on the Rossi now. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> hates Naomi now. It used to be, oh, well, this is what she wants to do. This is, this is probably what we should do. And now they're just like, 
Naomi and Amos having a rift between them really changes the dynamic on that ship. Yeah. Like Alex is always kind of be like the the stand-up guy, like he's there on his own, but Amos kind of needs somebody and you can feel him shifting more towards Holden as time goes on because Holden kind of Holden's pretty unwavering for the most part. And if and if he gets a little overzealous, that's nothing that's going to brush skin off of fucking Amos's back. Now, Naomi broke the cardinal sin for Amos, which is she lied. Yeah. And you know, didn't didn't approach the crew. And while while Holden started there, he's kind of worked him redeemed himself at this point. Uh and what's crazy is that like the number of lies that Naomi has to really relinquish, I mean, I'll be honest, that's not even like the the tip of the iceberg with the shit that she's hiding hmm. as a character. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot of skeletons still in the closet left left to reveal. Uh, which I think makes her a good character because they could do a lot with her. Hmm. She has a lot of backstory that nobody nobody knows. Like a- Amos kind of has a backstory. I think but Amos has the thing where nobody wants to know his backstory. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like everything he says about his backstory is awful. <laughs> so they're all just like, okay, okay, we get it. It, it was bad. We it don't seems so terrible. You just want to be like, no, nah, man, I'm cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll be over here. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to look at Amos and you go, yep, sadness and pain. Got it. Okay. Yeah. We understand. Mm-hmm. You were forged in a, <laughs> you were forged out of harder stuff than I am, homie. So, what else do we got? Uh, well, let's see. We got... Uh, it was a shorter episode this this week, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was just the, the opening episode, and um, I thought I was going to be up there for like a, about 10 more minutes, and then it just ended with Bobby Draper and Avis Arala finally getting off of the luxury yacht. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. So <laughs> I, that's one thing I did forget. So Bobby getting her off the yacht, like, so basically they got locked out of the out of the garage where they're keeping the, the Razorback racing ship. Right. And so Bobby actually has to climb out on the exterior of this this yacht to open the door from the inside to get them onto the Razorback. Right. And mind you, when she's on there, she still doesn't know how to actually drive the thing. Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, she's like, no, I'll handle it. I was like, okay. <laughs> you have to admire a character that's just willing to throw caution into the wind like that. Yeah. It's like, how hard could it be? Pilots do this shit all the time. Fuck you. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, to me, that just seems like a Marine. Fuck you, I'll figure it out. Yep. Probably. Let me just bang on it with a hammer for a, for an hour. Something will happen. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so all, all in all, what were your uh, what were your guys' kind of take on this uh, this episode? I know it's a, the, the season opener. Uh, to me, it was a good episode. It wasn't... I mean, I guess maybe it's just coming off of the last two episodes. It seems like, what the fuck could you do? Like, you're, yeah. you can't start as high as you left it. We'll put it that way. Yeah, you kind of have to take it down a little bit. So it is more of a, I think, a, a more leisurely episode from what I remember. Yeah, this one kind of took its time. I think I wanted to uh, explore a little bit more what was going on on Venus with the two ships uh, being taken apart, I guess, for uh, intelligence <laughs> yeah. purposes for the proto-molecule. I was like, okay, no, stay there. And then it zoomed away and I was like, mm, damn it, it's not going to come back until the end of the season. I can just feel it. <laughs> I don't actually, I don't think we have to wait that long, but maybe. Maybe, Okay. Put it this way, I know season four starts with a completely useful ring gate. Oh. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of shit that has to happen before that happens. (laughs) So it's going to be a very intense season. (laughs) Well, all right then. (laughs) Like, not to put too much on you, this shit's going to move really fucking fast, and you're going to get a lot of crazy shit happening all at once. 
All right. So season three, episode one, the soft open. Oh, it's <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's knowing where it's got to get to is is pretty like. I, I, that's my favorite part about rewatching this show is like, how the fuck do they manage to squeeze <laughs> all of this in to this tight? Like, they don't have that much time to do that. We've got, what, 13 episodes until season four. Right. And there's a lot of stuff I know happens before that can, that can get kicked <laughs> off. Interesting. <sighs> got to cram in a lot. Yep. I just I can't wait to get to season four because I want to talk about Amos. <laughs> and Am- Amos's character makes that season. Okay. I also want to talk about fucking, uh, what do you call it? The... Public private partnerships and uh, homesteading. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's always an angle. <laughs> oh, there's an angle in there. Uh, so, well, what, what I guess, are we up to technicals there? Yeah. So, season three, episode one, titled Fight or Flight, is a perfect title for this episode. Uh, directed by Breck Eisner, uh, written by Mark Fergus and Hawk Osby. Uh, original air date was April the 11th, 2018, and a .653 for the viewers. Hmm. It's not bad. Yeah. So, you know, kind of a, I was like, oh, good. The show's coming back. So we'll have yeah. to see how those ratings pan out for the rest of the season though. <laughs> Apparently, probably not well. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it does get canceled. Yeah. Yeah. There is that. If we, if we haven't, uh, well, if, if, if we haven't, if you're not, I, mean, that's, I think it's because nobody watches TV anymore more than anything. Right. Yeah. So right on. Well, thanks for hanging out with us today, Lizzie. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was uh, I'm enjoying the show. I didn't think I would, and uh, your show actually makes watching the show uh, that much better because I love hearing the recaps. So thanks. Yay! <laughs> and I got to make Lizzie laugh a couple of times, and that's all I'm really after. So. Oh man, I did just notice one thing that we did forget. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, it, it was uh, the Naboo. That was yes. the other thing oh, that. Oh right. Drummer's business. Like, what are you trying? You trying to make nice with the Mormons? Like yeah. Getting their shit back. <laughs> Johnson was oh like, no. <laughs> he wants to turn. Essentially, he wants to turn the church into a giant warship. Is his yep. goal. Yep. That there's no no nothing could go wrong with that. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic idea. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Pretty much. I'll uh, I'll have to kick that back into the middle of the episode or something. Not just leave it but, right there, but, you know, put the, like, <laughs> rewind sound, like, in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to figure out where I have that again. Record so, scratch, you know. But, but anyway, so thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back again next week. Peace. Peace.